Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keene. Economic Indicators brought to you by Commonwealth Financial Network. When it's time to change the conversation, talk with a broker-dealer, RIA, that's ready to listen. Call 866-462-3638 or visit Commonwealth.com to learn more. Here's Vinny Del Giudice at the First Word Desk. Michael, revised data from the government on first quarter GDP, now up 0.8%. Earlier, the government had reported an increase of 0.5%. This is the weakest showing in a year. Again, GDP, first quarter, the government's revision, a 0.8% increase, generally in line with forecasts, better than the initial estimate. I should add consumer spending, which makes two-thirds of the economy, roughly two-thirds, showing a 1.9% gain in the first quarter. That number wasn't revised. At the Bloomberg First Word Desk, I'm Vinny Dell. Judice, let's go back to New York. Uh, a quick note here, uh, business fixed investment in uh, non-residential fixed investment down 6.2%. Uh, you got to wonder... Um, you know where where the investment oomph yeah. comes from uh equipment spending down 9% obviously a lot of that is probably oil and gas but it just isn't isn't to help personal consumption what gets my attention is not a statistic of 1.9% it's we've enjoyed that for 6 months i mean i, I 2.4% in the fourth quarter rather and we come down to 1.9% it's that first quarter itis, Mike. Do you believe in first quarter itis? It's uh, it's an interesting question. Clearly, there's something going on in the first quarter. Economists and statisticians haven't figured it out yet, but they're they're trying to do it. Uh, we note this. You and I talked about corporate profits on surveillance TV this morning. Yeah. Profits were up three tenths of a percent. This is. All corporations in the country, public, private, large and small, not just the S&P 500. And, and disposable personal income within the gloom is a 4% statistic, 4.0%. That's a huge number. There's some unbelievable cross currents right now. Final sales to domestic purchasers up 1.2%. Um, Motor vehicles, soggy. Now, all right, uh, well, let's get some professional analysis now that you've he- heard from the two amateurs here. Andrew Milligan yes. uh, is with us now from uh, the good offices of Standard Life Investments. Um, Andrew, the uh, idea that the U.S. is the engine of growth for the world, uh, how reassuring is that when you see uh, the engine of growth running at only an eight-tenths percent annual rate? Well, I'm afraid we uh, we have to say that the the engine certainly did falter uh, and cough in the first quarter of the year. Uh, of course, this is annualised; it's only 0.2 quarter on quarter, which compares with Europe, for example, which was more like 0.6 uh, or so. I think looking through some of the details, I would absolutely agree with your far from amateur comments uh, a little while ago about certain aspects. Um, I think we do need to be concerned by the fall in corporate profits. Uh, it's almost 6% year on year in the first quarter. That's not a good situation for companies. Now, we know a lot of that, of course, is temporary due to the dollar and oil, but the underlying trend actually hasn't been great for some time. Unit labor costs picking up, wage pressures, productivity pressures being talked about a lot. The savings ratio 
up to 5.7. So again, what's interesting here is despite all the backdrop of yeah. actually quite favourable employment, households are still saving, and it looks like they were saving, if not quite to the same extent, in Q2 as well. And Mike, this is why we love to have Andrew Milligan on. I, I, I totally agree, Mike, that it is the paradox. Yeah. That's a big number, 5.7%. You know, there's that whole idea of put billboards up, please America spend. That ain't happening. No, I don't think it is. I mean, whether it's due to uncertainty about the world, uncertainty about China, which obviously uh, worried people in the first quarter, whether it's, it's more politics, whether it actually is people saving on a precautionary basis ahead of the Fed's expected rate rise in a few weeks' time, uh, quite yeah. understandably, if you think that interest rates are going up, well, I better start saving more, hadn't I? Right. So I think there's several reasons why people are saving, and of course we know the figures are revised right. for, for some time to come. But nevertheless, it does tie in with relatively weak consumer spending. Think of those department right. store sales recently. And although Q2 looks better than Q1, Q2 is not a blockbuster right. quarter. Mike, here's your six-month statistic. Nominal GDP, quarter over quarter annualized, 2.85% for six months. That's something. Well, and of course, that ties in perfectly with what we're seeing with profits growth. Companies have very little pricing power, unless they're in good growth areas. There are some, of course. Your traditional company across the United States is finding very little top-line sales growth. And that, of course, means that life gets more difficult for them. Hence, those investment figures and the, the core taking defence, uh, transport, etc. The core uh, durable goods figures we saw yesterday continuing this weakness. Companies are very wary indeed about spending more on investment when their profits growth is just not that solid at present. Yeah, um, and that is holding back, I would assume, um, the, the economy overall. How long uh, can it continue without a pickup in business investment? It's certainly a, a headwind, and we no doubt about it. And we, we would agree with the Fed and, and, and the widespread consensus that growth will be better in Q2, Q3, if only because, as, as we've just discussed, the, the impact of the uh, energy price collapse and, and the dollar is becoming less of a headwind and even more of a tailwind. So we should see some moderate pickup. But if we do want this cycle to continue for several more years, yeah. we do need to see companies actually running their very hefty cash balances down and begin to hire more, pay wages mm. more, and invest more. And for perfectly understandable reasons, many companies are saying, I'm not quite sure if this is mm. the right time to do that. Well, Andrew Milligan with us, Stand Left. We're going to come back and talk about investment, where to place capital. Of course, we'll get his important Edinburgh perspective on a small vote coming up later, the end of June. Uh, in the in Andrew Milligan's United, I believe it's a United Kingdom uh, GDP out. Uh, we'll have much more summary of that uh, coming up. Futures up two, Dow futures up seventeen. The yield one point eight three percent. This hour of surveillance brought to you by Mount Kisco Volvo. Visit mountkiscovolvo.com. Here's Michael Barr with news headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. He laid a wreath and then met with survivors. President Obama visited the Hiroshima Peace Memorial Park in Japan today. The president paid tribute to the 140,000 people killed when the U.S. dropped an atomic bomb during World War II. The president did not apologize, but offered a reflection on the horrors of war and his hope that Hiroshima would be remembered as the beginning of a moral awakening. French President Francois Hollande says he will not back down on changes to French labor laws that he is pushing through Parliament. 
There have been strikes and opposition to the law from Olan's own lawmakers. For the third year in a row, there are co-champions in the Scripps National Spelling Bee. 13-year-old Jayram Hathwar and 11-year-old Nihar Jenga went head-to-head round after round until they ran out of words in round 24. This is Nihar spelling the final word. G-E-S-E-L-L-S-C-H-A-F-T. That is correct. Both winners will each receive a trophy and forty-five grand in cash. Global News, twenty-four hours a day. I'm Mike Lavar. Mike Tom. What was that word? Gazelle shaft. <laughs> All right. Time now for the Land Rover Parsippany Bloomberg NBC Sports update with John Gazelle shaft or yeah, John Stashow. That was the sports story, wasn't it? All right. Until the other night, the Warriors had played ninety-five games and never lost two in a row. They weren't going to lose three straight. The Oklahoma City did take a one-point lead in the third quarter. That lead was brief. It was the only one of the night. Golden State won. Game 5, 120 to 111. Steph Curry, 31 points. So the series is now 3-2 Thunder with Game 6 tomorrow at OKC, where the Warriors lost twice by a combined 52 points. Tonight, Cleveland brings a 3-2 lead to Game 6 at Toronto. Home team's 5-0 thus far. The Stanley Cup final is going to be San Jose and Pittsburgh. The Penguins complete a comeback from a 3-2 deficit, beating Tampa Bay in Game 7. 2-1, to one. all the scores in the second period. The game had two rookie goalies, both the Penguin goals by a rookie, Brian Rust. The second one, the game winner, 30 seconds after the Lightning had scored. Game one of this cup final, Monday in Pittsburgh. Pitchers duel at the stadium. Toronto's Jay Happ allowed only a Starlin' Castro home run in the first inning. CC Sabathia gave up only two unearned runs, but the Blue Jays won 3-1 to one over Joe Girardi's Yankees. CC pitched great. Um, he pitched extremely well, and we weren't able to get him any runs and um, kept his pitch count down. He did everything he needed to do to win the game. We just didn't score. Alex Rodriguez 0 for 4 in his return from the disabled list. Carlos Beltran 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. Yanks at Tampa Bay tonight starting a 10-game road trip. The Mets will host the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are starting a 19-year-old Julio Urias up from the minors. Makes his big league debut. With the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update, I'm John Stashow. John, uh, thanks so much. Uh, Bloomberg, so Gazelle Chef, Mike, eighteen eighty-seven. Okay. OED, like Gemeinschaft, which I've heard of. What does it mean? It means that I can't spell it. <laughs> You're <laughs> not going German. Gazelle Chef, G E S E L L, and then Chef on the back of it. Well, congratulations to the Gesellschaft. to the young spellers. I'm I'm always been in awe because. I am. I can't spell surveillance. Small detail that is. Futures up one. Dow futures up nine. With Andrew Milligan of Standard Life, Bloomberg Surveillance. The Sports Report brought to you by Land Rover Parsippany. If it's in your nature to cast off the everyday and seek adventure, the Discovery Sport was built to help your search. Visit LandRoverParsippany.com or call one eight hundred find four WD. Land Rover above and beyond. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by National Realty. 30% returns on cash and rented real estate. Find them at NRIA.net. The U.S. economy expanding at a slightly faster pace in the first quarter than previously estimated. Gross domestic product rose at an 8.10% annualized rate in the three months ending in March, the smallest gain in a year, and that compares with a half percent advance the government reported last month. Thermo Fisher Scientific buying FEI for about $4.2 billion, gaining imaging technology for the last 
life sciences and material science industries. FEI up more than 12 percent this morning. Global equities are rising, heading for the highest close in three weeks, and the dollar rising versus most peers as investors wait to see whether comments from Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen will disrupt the calm that settled over financial markets. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures up one and a half points. Dow E-mini futures up 10. NASDAQ E-mini futures up four and a half. The DAX in Germany is up a tenth of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down one thirty-second. The yield 1.83 percent. NYMEX crude oil down 1.1 percent or 54 cents to 48.94 a barrel. COMEX gold down a tenth of a percent or a dollar seventy to 12.20.90 an ounce. The euro, $1.1163, the yen, 109.53. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Karen, thank you so much. It is 848 on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. With Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton tied in the polls, anxious Democrats are wondering just how they should take him down. They could attack him as a misogynist, but they worry that they will compound his advantage with men. They could say he's a fraud, but voters distrust her, too. Democrats will be strongly tempted to attack Trump as a far-right extremist, but he's obviously not a conventional conservative. Clinton's most powerful message against Trump might be a non-ideological one. His lack of knowledge, seriousness, and impulse control make him too dangerous to put in the presidency. This strategy would present Clinton as the candidate of safety. The risk for her is that she would also become the candidate of the status quo when most Americans are dissatisfied with it. But the incumbent president has a 51% approval rating, so it may be a risk worth taking. If Clinton makes Trump's unfitness for the presidency the central message of her campaign, what she will be saying to Americans is, you may not like either of us, but you should fear him. I'm Ramesh Panuru. For more view, please go to BloombergView.com or view Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. And Bloomberg View commentary can be heard hourly weekdays on Bloomberg Radio. The Brexit Vote. Coverage continues now on Bloomberg Radio. We're talking with Andrew Milligan. He is uh, head of global strategy uh, for the and chairman of the investment committee for Standard Life uh, in Great Britain. And uh, Andrew, while you may have a personal opinion about Brexit, your job has no opinion. You just have to deal with whatever comes. What are you telling uh, your the the people uh, who uh, work with you and? Uh, uh, expect you to survive it one way or another about what should be done in the run up to and the and the post brexit era uh, how do you manage that it, it's a very important question um, i mean i think the first thing to do is to actually carry out quite a lot of scenario analysis not actually just on the scenario of does the uk decide to leave or not decide to leave uh, but also even if the uk does decide to leave there's of course various scenarios after that because what, what is Brexit? How would one define it? What sort of timescales are we talking about? What's the policy responses by various um, arms, the Monetary Policy Committee, the European Central Bank, or whatever? So the first thing to do is quite a lot of scenario analysis. Uh, the second is to look at the probabilities, uh, as with, you know, the U.S. election. We just heard the little advert just now. You know, it's, it's a, a probability as to whether an event will happen. Uh, currently, you can look at the probabilities through looking at the opinion polls, or you can look at them through the betting sites. Um, uh, the, uh, the betting sites are currently suggesting that there's probably about an 80% chance that the U.K. will stay within the European Union, and therefore a 20% chance that it won't. So a combination of scenario analysis and probability analysis, and then, of course, doing some work about which financial assets would initially be most affected 
it's difficult to think of the second or third round mm. because then you're getting into feedback loops. But Sterling is the one that everyone has been seizing right. on as the most likely asset that would be affected I, one way or the other in the run okay. after the vote. I, you're dead on. I get all that. We've been looking at Euro Sterling versus cable, and I think yeah. Euro Sterling seems to be a much better proxy as would be presumed. What I want to know is do I buy straw hats in winter, preferably a straw hat made in the United Kingdom, HSBC, BAT, Royal Dutch, GlaxoSmith, BP, Royal Dutch again, Vodafone, AstraZeneca, Diageo. These are FTSE stocks. Do you wake up in Edinburgh and say, my word, the United Kingdom's on sale? Well, I, I think the, the thing there, which I perhaps you're big, pulling out, is that the UK stock market contains an awful lot of global companies, and therefore the feedback loop from sterling into the earnings of those companies, or put it another way, the strength of the rest of the world, irrespective of what happens with Brexit, matters very considerably indeed. So we know that we've got a lot of global players, and those global players are partially affected by Brexit, but affected by a whole series of other matters too. So a lot of the discussion about what sorts of stocks to buy in the UK are, do you want very domestically exposed companies? Do you want companies exposed to Europe, importing or exporting, research and development links or whatever? Or are you looking for companies that have got actually a lot of business completely outside Europe? Uh, And you can find all of those within a a market as large as the UK, of course. So stock picking helps. Well, Mike, in US dollars, S&P 500 down 2%. In the last 12 months, FTSE down 15%. Mm. I believe that's... Uh, because, because we have a much heavier weighting, of course, in oil of gas and commodities uh, in the UK. Okay. Okay. Uh, and it, actually, if you look at the... I mean, it's a peculiar chart. If you look at the relationship between the emerging markets and the FTSE, we've, we've performed about the same because, of course, the common... Okay, but am I buying straw hats and... But forget about Brexit. Is, yeah. the, is the FTSE... Is your big UK visible stocks... Do you wake up in Edinburgh and say these things are cheap? Uh, They are cheap as long as we are of the view that the world economy can continue on, which requires the Federal Reserve to be sensible in terms of the speed with which it tightens and no more policy errors from China and no unfortunate decisions by the Bank of Japan. If policymaking is relatively gradual, sensible over the course of the next few quarters, yes, the world economy yeah. will continue to grow, and therefore corporate well, profits for the UK and other parts of the world are worth buying. There's, the dividend yield in the UK is still attractive, as long as that dividend yield is sustainable. So sustainable yield is a phrase that we use a lot with clients. Right. Mike, that really helps us because we're, we're, we're sensible. <laughs> it's sensible surveillance. Well, let's go for it. One. From, from the Brexit uh, outlook to the Fed outlook, um, you, you say they, they they need to be sensible with their uh, their path going forward. That assumes yep. uh, it seems to assume that um, they are raising rates. You believe soon? Oh, I think they will. I mean, I, I, I think they've made it clear in the course of the last couple of months. It's it's almost a logic if then that. So if the U.S. continues to grow 150 to 200,000 payrolls if growth remains about 2% or above. If there is no major financial stress, watch any of the standard indices, then the Fed will move. It will then assess 
the impact of that, second round feedback loops, and then move again. So we can see the moving, say, in July and again in December. But it will be very gradual indeed, because they've learnt their lesson, as has the People's Bank of China. If you allow the currency markets to get too volatile at present, you get up some nasty feedback loops through commodities and emerging markets, the very hefty amount of dollar-denominated debt that there is in the world at present, and that's when markets mm. do start to worry yet again. We've had two enormous shocks, July of last year and then January, February of this year. You know, they were very nasty episodes each right. time, and it was largely because the policymakers lost control of the foreign exchange markets. Now, can that happen again? Of course it can. And if so, then the right. Federal Reserve will be very um, cautious indeed. Very quickly here, uh, before we let you go, Andrew Milligan, can you buy consumer dividend-growing stocks in America, or have they just gone so far so fast that even a long-term guy like you can't hold them? Uh, yes, one can, but your, the, the, your question is absolutely right. A number of these stocks are expensive. The problem is that as long as interest rates remain so low, the relative attraction of buying yield is still very, very present. And we're seeing that with the flattening of yield curves all across the world. So yes, but cautiously has to be, this, these are not cheap. So they are, they are not for a long-term portfolio. They are for a portfolio that's thinking to itself, I might have a few more years mm. at best, but not for something that's going to be holding them for, say, okay. 20 or 30 years. They are expensive. Most stocks around the world are expensive. Well, Andrew Milligan, thank you so much for Standard Life. Uh, from I think it's Georgia Square, St. George's Square in Edinburgh. I don't have it in front of me, Michael, but beautiful offices. Granite. We'll go visit. Dickensian. Yeah. All that. That was fascinating. I, 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 I don't have an opinion on owning UK stocks, but certainly they're in the news, and that's where opportunity. Well, everybody would say had. it's all Brexit, but he, interesting, he pointed out the heavy weighting of energy in yes. the, the Royal Dutch and so, the rest of it. Very interesting uh, as well. Flat on the futures. Give it back. This is just a churn of the market. It's not as dead as Fed Day or Jobs Day, but a weight to it. Uh, Brent crude really gives it back from above fifty. We're not down $2, but over 48 hours, $48.75 on Brent. There's a moment here where West Texas was actually priced higher than Brent. American oil, higher than European oil. That's rare. odd, rare, we put it. Euro, 111.56 sterling, 146.36. Michael McKee and Tom Keene. A bonus round before a three-day weekend. Another hour of Bloomberg Surveillance.